you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the California Underground Podcast. I am your host, Phil. As always, with me is my trusty co-host, the best and fastest researcher in the West, Camille. And tonight, we have a friend of the show who's been on a couple times before, Jonathan Zacherson, who is, uh, who's come on in the past to talk a lot about legislation. But tonight, he's coming on in more of a role that I think is within your more of your wheelhouse, which is talking about school boards and what's going on in Sacramento in terms of education. Um, Jonathan, how are you doing? Welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you for having me again. It's great to be here. Excellent. So uh, for people who uh, don't know or didn't watch the previous episodes, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do um, so we can go from there? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm now elected school official uh, from the last time we spoke. Um, but Congratulations. I, I thank you. Uh, I didn't get into politics uh, the traditional route. Uh, really, you know, I was focused on my family, focused on my kids, focused on my job. And then COVID hit. And that really kind of got, you know, woke me up and, and prodded me into the scene. And I was really just uh, started um, becoming more of an activist to reopen schools locally, found, founded Reopen California Schools when that wasn't working. That blew up, right? There was obviously, I wasn't the only upset parents in California that schools were closed the longest. Uh, we were upset about the mask mandates. We were upset about the COVID vaccine mandates and continue to fight those. And, and when we met last year, that's, that's kind of what we were talking about, were a lot of those bad bills going through the legislature that were impacting schools. And we still have plenty of them uh, this year too. Uh, you know, that, that the same the same people are pretty much pushing forward the same bad bills. Um, but you know, so then I, I ran for office, uh, started a nonprofit, Students First California, to focus on education policy. Uh, we also have a connected political action committee where uh, we raised uh, uh, significant amounts of, of, of funds, but we were able to partner with other groups uh, and we were able to get 26 out of 29 school board candidates elected uh, in our area. Um, wow. and, so, and so here in South Placer County, uh, up to mid Placer, mid Central Placer County, we pretty much uh, uh, parent like-minded, uh, parent-focused, family-focused school board members are the majority of our boards. Uh, and so that really makes a difference when you're trying to push, you know, fight for parents or any, any kind of issue comes from the state that we have to battle like mask mandates like some of the stuff that's coming down from the state today uh, that may happen, or we can work together to come up with solutions uh, locally to combat that. Um, so yeah, so, so now we are, you fast forward to today, and, and uh, I've been on the board for a little over six months, um, and uh, we just keep fighting. Yeah, and that's sort of the topic of tonight's episode, and why I asked you to come on is because there's been a lot more news recently I've been calling it Sacramento's war on local school boards, and it, it's, you're, you're completely right that it's great that people are getting more involved. We're, people are starting to get involved in voting on their school board members. A lot of people didn't even know you could actually vote for school board members, which is kind of scary when people told me that. Um, but what we have going on is locally elected school boards, like the one in Temecula, the one in Chino Valley, which we're going to talk about went forward with what they were elected to do. And then you have Governor Newsom stepping in and basically Sacramento and the state stepping in. Um, tell us a little bit about, from your point of view, what's been going on. You can start with either one, Temecula or Chino Valley. Sure. Um, and first, I'll just make a, a comment that, that you uh, mentioned where a lot of people didn't know that they can vote for, for their school board members. Uh, I, I analyzed some data around my election and it's probably a good 20, 15 to 20% of people that do not vote in the school board election, but do cast their ballot. So it's quite a bit there. Um, but yeah, so we, let's talk about, you know, Temecula first. Uh, you know, there's this whole scene where uh, we realized that we could not make a difference in a dent to the state legislature. People recognize that, but they realized they had local control. And that's what we did here. That's what they did down in Temecula. They, there was a political action committee formed to help get those school board members elected. There's been committees and, uh, you know, East San Diego County, there's committees in El Dorado County that kind of took the same approach that said, hey, we're going to affect policy by getting, uh, you know, uh, favorable school board members on these school boards. And they did that in Temecula. And one of the issues that they ran on in Temecula 
was the fact that parents were shut out of this curriculum building process. And there was things in the curriculum that were alarming. They didn't have necessarily the, um, all the information, but it seemed you know, pretty scary, some of the stuff that they were pushing on fourth graders. And so they wanted to kind of put the brakes on that process. Um, they also, unfortunately in Temecula, they had an administration and they had other school board members uh, that were not as cordial and cooperative. And, and so it took that, took, uh, made that process more difficult, right? And so these are issues that should be and are meant to be handled at a local level. Well, uh, one of the school board members um, in one of the meetings, uh, it, you know, Harvey Milk came up, right, as, as part of it, teaching fourth graders about Harvey Milk. And I believe he made a comment, something that said, isn't he a pedophile, right? So that obviously got a lot of attention of those down in Temecula that were connected to Sacramento. Uh, and they really used that as fodder to go after that school board, uh, to do whatever they can um, to circumvent local control. Uh, they were writing legislation on the fly, doing whatever they, they could think of to punish that district. And, and Newsom came out and said, you know what, we're going to go ahead and buy the textbooks for you. And we're going to, by the way, we're going to fine you by taking the money out of your school district uh, uh, apportionment for next year. Well, he legally couldn't do that. Um, so what he did is they, they Corey Jackson, the, the representative down there, amended AB 1078 and decided to change the law to do exactly what they wanted to do. Uh, so they said, well, we'll, we'll just, um, uh, we'll just legislate, I think it was X, X, um, legislation, right? I'm probably butchering that, but basically we're going to legislate after the fact of what we're doing today. And so, uh, that's what they're trying to do. Um, in the end, right. There was a board meeting, uh, last week where they ended up adopting the curriculum, uh, that was in front of them before, but they took out section 12 or unit 12 for fourth graders. So everything else was the same, but that fourth grade section that had some of the more controversial issues and it was taken out, tabled, and then they're gonna look for a replacement for that section. And that was that passed unanimously uh, on Friday. Something interesting though, is one of the board members uh, that wasn't favorable to the pro-parent position got, got a text right after the, the board vote. And you can hear her, she's caught on type saying, I just got the text referring to the fact that Newsom was not going to be sending the, the textbooks down there. So there's somebody in the know there mm -hmm. uh, that has direct lines of communications to Newsom's office. And I think that ultimately is what led to some of the controversy to begin with is that, that they, those people were going directly to his office. There was a lot of the public comments about that where, cause I, I guess there was some poll that came out where, Oh, if these 400 parents agree with the curriculum and people are like, where did this poll come from? Who's hiding this data? How come the school board didn't have it? But it like, chaos pandemonium happened all these upset parents obviously saying who's in the know and who's hiding it we like they want names yeah and, and newsom tweeted that graphic out before the school board members even knew about that graphic exactly so, i mean that just, just tells you the dysfunction um you know with with not communicating to these school board members uh and and, and that's the problem there is that they you know other school boards even when there's uh, they don't agree with each other. At least they can function. And it didn't seem like the administration there was being very helpful from at least what I can tell from an outside observer. So uh, it's interesting to me how the, it, it seems like a story went from like, it had a complete 180 where <laughs> you had this sort of small school board Temecula. They were kind of rebelling against the system. They were rebelling against this agenda um, it, it drew the ire of Gavin Newsom and Sacramento. And it seemed like it was kind of like this great David and Goliath story. And then in the end, they sort of like turned around and, and just adopted most of it anyway. Um, but do you think there's like a bigger lesson in this whole thing happening that local school boards are going to be pushing back or that there is hope for school boards to push back on these agendas in this legislation? Well, I, I think uh, that's what it appears. What I would say is if Newsom wasn't involved, we may have had the exact same situation, right? Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't just Newsom and the threat of the fine. I think they were willing to go up against that. What they're really up against was time, right? The school mm -hmm. year was about to start. Um, they wanted to make sure that they had something new. They, they had another proposal on the table uh, that same night that didn't pass. I think they thought if we're going to spend the money might as well make sure it's going to be the most cost effective and, and they want to be financially prudent for the district. Uh, and so really, I think that was the, the, the kind of the lesson learned. And, and Newsom maybe 
exploited this aspect of it, right? He kind of inter, you know, intervened or interjected himself into a conversation that maybe he knew the direction it was going, and then it looks like he can score a win. So he acts like he's this big, tough governor. He's going after these local school boards, making up lies about them. Uh, and then in the end, he kind of predicted what their action was going to be, uh, and then he could take that as a win. Because he didn't, in his press release afterwards, he didn't acknowledge the fact that they excluded Unit 12. He acted like they just, oh, yep, they adopted the curriculum this whole time. What we did worked, right? And so, uh, you know, I think, um, that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe because Connection Newsom saw a political opportunity there and he leveraged mm-hmm. that. Um, I don't think you're going to see that kind of lesson uh, up in Chino Valley um, or other school districts that maybe have more time to deal with these issues and work through them um, uh, in a more appropriate amount of time. And we'll get to Chino Valley in a couple minutes, but uh, you talked about AB 1078. Can you explain a little bit more about what AB 1078 is? We had posted about it, but I'm, I'm sure you're much more well-versed in it than we are. So, Yeah, so AB 1078 is essentially a bill trying to target school board members uh, and, and to, for setting local policy, in particular around curriculum. Uh, and so it, it goes back and forth from being dangerous to benign. Right now it's dangerous uh, and and when it's been introduced, it basically says two th- if, in order to change curriculum, you need to have a two-thirds vote of the board, uh, which I, I believe is unconstitutional. I think it's just uh, the way the law is written. It just needs to be a simple majority, and based on other statute, it would just need to be a simple majority. So there's problem number one, uh, especially since most boards are five. So two-thirds is going to get you have, – you have to get to four out of five, right? You can't do it with three out of five. And mm-hmm. so – you know, basically only one board member uh, can vote no um, in order to change any kind of curriculum. Uh, so this is one of the bills, you know, so somewhat surprisingly, but not too surprising because it does hamstring school boards. The California School Board Association has even come out against this bill. Hmm. Um, the most recent addition that they added to this was their ability to go after to, to um, go after local school boards and find them um, for the. Uh, if basically the state has to intervene, it can go ahead and fine them for that. Uh, it used to be a lot longer process for that to happen. This is trying to streamline that. So if someone writes a complaint and it lists of, you know, what the reasons might be about the complaint, about you know, if they're removing curriculum or doing this with curriculum, and it's some sort of marginalized group and they, and they listed those groups, then that complaint doesn't go through the school board. It doesn't go through the county. It doesn't go. It goes directly to the state superintendent of public instruction. And they get to decide whether or not that there is a violation. And if they determine there's a violation, then bam, they can go after you, they can find you, they can send the book, send the books and force cut out you for a second. those schools. Yeah. So basically circumventing all of local control in the, in the entire local process. And that's that's kind of where it's at now. And, um, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's pretty pretty dangerous. And when, one last thing that they took out is when they looked at those groups of where you need to have uh, inclusivity in the, in the curriculum, they struck out the religious component. So that used to be where they wanted actually like contributions from from religious groups throughout the history of the United States. Well, now that's actually struck and it's been replaced with LGBTQ plus. Of course. Yeah. Why does this sound eerily familiar to AB5 and Sandag where they're just trying to push out the little man, push in the big man, you know, any local government? Nope. Send it. Basically, let the bigger people have control. And they're fine with that so long as they're in charge, right? You know, maybe one day it won't be that that way. And that's really why we want local government is mm-hmm. is they they're they're closer to the people. They can make better decisions about what those what the community needs and the, and represent the community the best. Yeah, it's just ridiculous in a state like California, as big as and diverse as it is, to think that all decisions should come from one a, one leader or one person in Sacramento for what, how many 58 counties we have and how many school boards and districts and all that stuff to basically have it as centralized. And and California is a perfect example why you can't centralize all that power. You're not going to get uh, the results that you want. And obviously, as we've seen with sort of the results of public education in California, a centralized approach from top down is not really working in terms of how much money they're throwing yeah. at it and anyway. we have so, one representative uh, or one assembly member this scares, for i think this scares people. me more on a so, i mean the representation level there. in terms of centralization um and, and how much 
Sacramento loves to just kind of keep centralizing that power. And they don't like the fact that we saw this during COVID, how mayors, city councils, county supervisors would push back on COVID policies. And the state was like, no, you can't have that. We can't have local leaders pushing back on our policies. Um, So it's it's scary to me, but I think it's good that people recognize that local officials can have that power to push back. Um, so what, what happened in Chino Valley? Cause I know this story came out as well, sort of a, sort of a same similar story. Um, what happened in Chino Valley? Yeah. So Chino Valley, you know, it, it got a lot of attention because of that, that interaction with Tony Thurmond. Um, so let's take a, a step back and, and let's look at, uh, some of the lawsuits and things that are going across California. Uh, there, it came out through, through, you know, basically parents being affected by this and families being affected by this policy. Uh, back in 2013, uh, Bill t- AB 1266 was passed. And this bill says that uh, students must use, the, uh, use uh, the facilities and play on sports teams that align with their gender identity. That was it. That was what the, the bill was. Well, the California Department of Education came out with their guidance document. They didn't go through any kind of administrative regulations. They just put out a, a kind of a fact, a FAQ uh, for this policy. And they just came up with this idea that, oh, by the way, uh, you know, if a student says they're transgender, you just have to accept that. Um, two, if, um, uh, if the, they don't want to tell the parents, oh, you have to keep it a secret, right? You have to do what you can. You have to lie to the parents. You have to you have, you have, to have uh, ways to hide that information from the parents. Uh, and so in Chico, there was um, uh, an 11 year old that uh, who, whose grandfather passed away. And the mom said, okay, let's, I'll, I want you to use the guidance counselor at the school to get for grief counseling uh, so that we can, you know, because your grandfather just passed. Well, apparently in that conversation, her daughter uh, said, I think I might be a boy. That counselor then went to that student's teachers, said, this is her new name. Her, her pronouns are he, him. Um, and, oh, by the way, we're not going to tell the parents because if the parents find out, she's in danger. So that's what they say. This went on for about two months. The grandmother uh, found out about it uh, and told the mom. That's when the mom's like, what? What is going on? Right. Um, with her daughter and, and it's very interesting. So, so that there's a lawsuit, there's a lot of issues with that one. She's 11 Two, they're keeping a secret. They were also promoting it actively. So it wasn't kind of passive. It was that the school district and that counselor in particular were, was taking action to basically find kids and recruit kids. Um, this has happened in other areas to try to recruit them into clubs, finding vulnerable kids, but it's just something we've seen replicated. And so there's this concern that that basically some, and obviously not the vast majority, but that there are some folks out there in the school that, that are wanting to keep secrets from parents, wanting to recruit kids into um, something that most people uh, phase out of at, at this stage. We recognize it's a social contagion and it's not going to stick with most of these kids. And then by keeping it a secret, um, they can um, move them further along in that process. So, so that's ultimately the concern uh, there is that we're not involving the parents to get them the best help because maybe the, the parents, most parents know their kids the best, right? Maybe they understand there's a reason why this is happening. Maybe they understand, you know what, there's legit, there's legitimacy to this. Let's get them uh, the proper help that they need and not, you know, using an unqualified school counselor. Um, and so that lawsuit went forward. Bill Asaley, um from Riverside, I believe, he wrote a bill, AB 1314, that, it, that is very basic. It just said, if your kid expresses interest and in you know wants to be treated as transgender at school you have to notify the parents that was pretty much what the bill said and it was shot down they were telling him it was a dangerous bill you can't do this parents are dangerous which i think is absurd uh they keep saying parents are dangerous um i think you know if if you want to keep secrets from from parents i think you're the one who's dangerous uh, in my opinion uh so he wrote this bill didn't get a hearing and so part of the strategy was like you know let's let's take just to the school districts we saw that in, during COVID with the mask resolutions where once one school district did it, uh, more and more school districts followed. Uh, we now have a lot of, we have a lot more uh, uh, parent focused school, school boards, family focused uh, school board members elected this year. Let's try to take it to the school boards. And so uh, that policy was modified and tweaked and got input from, from Sonia and, and, and she introduced that uh, policy for it. 
Um, I know a lot of lawyers looked at it, including the, the district's counsel, who came back and said, yep, this is completely legal. Um, it was crafted very carefully to make sure that it, it, it achieved the needs of, of be able to tell parents, but at the same time, making sure that it, it, it didn't uh, have any issues with any existing statute and it, and it did its job to protect kids and families. But um, so that's kind of the backstory to it. Well, Tony Thurman decided to show up at that meeting. Um, you know, Tony Thurman uh, didn't bother to show up at a single school board meeting while he was the superintendent of public instruction through COVID. In fact, he disappeared. We didn't know where he was. But, you know, he decided he was going to show up at the school board meeting to, that was going to pass this policy that uh, countered the Department of Education's facts. Uh, and there's 83 speakers signed up. Everyone had a minute to speak. He got a minute. Mike got cut off after a minute. He kept trying to talk. Um, and so, so, you know, board president Sonia Shah took that moment to kind of call out all the stuff that he has been doing behind the scenes, sending, you know, nasty letters, refusing to speak with her, uh, all sorts of things, right? You know, trying to use this as a ploy uh, to prevent them from passing the policy, probably using it as a way for, you know, as a stepping stone to run for governor uh, since he's announced interest in that. Um, didn't work, obviously. They passed the policy four to one. Um, but, you know, the, the California attorney general, spoke out against this. Uh, uh, Senator Scott Wiener spoke out against this. But but surprisingly, we haven't heard a peep from Governor Newsom about this. Mm. And I think he knows uh, that where the polling is and where most people stand in just common sense. And if he's going to have any kind of national play, he has to play this one really carefully. Um, and so, so I think that's quite telling that he's been silent. Yeah, uh, well, if we said it before, we've said it, we'll say it again. Newsom is definitely a, a cunning politician, and we know he's always making moves, and every move has a motive behind it. I was actually looking for the tweet from Alex Lee, the one that kind of went viral, where he said something, because I, I remember I replied to it, something about, let me make this perfectly clear, or something that if you want to put kids, or, or something about trans kids, that's not the point of what I'm bringing this up. You had the honor of your tweet was retweeted by Equality California, which was then retweeted by Alex Lee. So bravo on that, that your tweet got that <laughs> got it was up the, the tweet chain to Alex Lee. Um, but yeah, it's it's again, it, it's scary to me. I don't have kids. Oh, here it says. Let me make this obviously clear. First off, you got the grammar wrong. Let me make this obvious clear. If your own child is fearfully hiding their identity from you, you're the problem. Um, and, and I think that got enormous backlash. The idea that children should be hiding stuff from their parents and that the implication is that they're the problem. But if you have school administrators and teachers who are assisting these children in hiding it to push an agenda it sounds like maybe the teachers and administrators are more the problem than the parents. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, if you're, he's the problem, right? If you're pushing for adults to keep secrets about their kids, about uh, from parents, about their kids, you are the problem, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, you do not keep secrets from parents, right? Especially when there's about these sensitive issues. And if there's a legitimate concern that by, by someone finding out that uh, a kid might be transgender, then they're going to kill themselves. I mean, that is when they need the most help. Right. I mean, mm. I mean, that, that it just baffles me that you would not want to have the parents involved in these discussions. And I just add my daughter uh, back in March uh, uh, was sick um, and she almost died, actually. So we were in the hospital for three months or th sorry, excuse me, three weeks, three weeks. Um, and we, we weren't sure if she was you know, going to make it after, you know, that after about a, a first week or so. Um, thankfully, she's doing much better now. Um, so much we're much better positioned. But it was scary for there. And. You know, I was there, you know, every day, every night. I didn't leave the hospital um, other than I, I think I had to go pick up some snacks and, and things like that. But I was at her at, at the bed at the hospital with her. Uh, we transferred to Stanford every for three weeks. It wasn't her teacher. It wasn't the administrator. It wasn't Scott Wiener. It wasn't Alex Lee. It was me, her father. Right. And so it's the parents who know their kids and love their kids the most. And um, they need to be involved in these decisions. Now, this policy uh, that was put forth mentions that there's nothing in the policy that uh, preempts existing law on mandated reporting. If a teacher or a school official 
believes, sincerely believes that there's going to be child abuse at home, they have to report it. And if that's the case, then they don't contact the parents and tell the parents about this. They contact CPS. Um, so that's very clear in that situation. But to assume that without evidence that a loving parent is just going to abuse and, and, and kick their child out or harm their kid by finding this out so that the school can continue um, to be the ones parenting, essentially, the child through these very difficult times in secret uh, is dangerous. And I just can't believe that that we're even, even having this conversation. It's like, at what point did schools start to believe that they are, they're not just teachers anymore, that they are guardians and caregivers and they have part ownership of your kids. And it is this kind of scary lurch from government that your kids don't belong to you. And I know people have seen plenty of clips from, you know, Melissa Harris Perry, Hillary Clinton has said stuff. And it just kind of Joe this, Biden just came out and said the same thing. Joe Education Secretary Cardona said the same thing. They, they kind of alluded to this fact that, <laughs> you know, your kids are part of our village and they don't belong to you. They belong to all of us. And exactly like I said, said, I'm not a parent, but I could imagine if I heard people saying that I would my blood would boil at the idea that somebody else, some government lackey owns my kids or has part ownership and can say some, what I can do with my kids or what my kids should do. So, um, yeah. What thoughts on, on the encroaching public school trying to take over, take more control over your kids? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are people out there that are pushing that exact uh, policy. Now I'm not going to say that's where everyone is, but that's exactly, you know, what uh, the most dangerous folks uh, in ed education are trying to do. Uh, they are pushing towards that community school model where basically you, you give birth to your kids and then as early as possible, you put them uh, in, in a, some sort of education, maybe two years old, three years old. You drop them off at eight in the morning, you pick them up at eight at night. Um, mm. Right. And, and then and basically trying to subsidize that so that basically, you know, that you have that and then you can go to work. Right. It's kind of the idea. Um, but really it's, it's really to shape the mind and it's, it's kind of interesting. This is where I think you heard that moms for Liberty kind of got that backlash. Um, and I don't remember the exact quote, but, uh, they, it, they, uh, issued a, they included a quote from Hitler about controlling the minds of kids or something to that effect. And, um, and it was a warning, right? It was basically says, Hey, don't be like Hitler. Hitler wanted to control their kids, our kids' minds. Well, that's basically what they were saying, but because it was Hitler, um, you know, they somehow try to tie the moms for liberty to Hitler or something like that. It was pretty absurd. Um, it's kind of funny because there's plenty of like uh, pro-Israel and Jewish groups that also quote Hitler uh, demonstrating, you know, the horrible things that he said. So um, it's just absurd. But that's kind of where, where it's wanting to go is trying to control the minds of children uh, and you can kind of control the future. So that's, in your opinion, is that where, what, is the driving force behind this kind of movement of putting that wall between public school and parents to the point where I, I, I do you think, can't even hear. I do think there are people out there that, that are pushing these policies that this is exactly why they're doing this is they want to drive that. They want uh, to push the parents out of the equation. Absolutely. So is there any lesson uh, we can learn from Chino Valley? Well, yeah, I think uh, collaborating with a lot of different groups, um, being prepared uh, so, you know, you have a very sound policy in place um, that you have support uh, from you know, your, your, your local constituents to your assembly member to a broader coalition. Um, we're working with all these, you know, we're now more connected than we've ever been with these groups. And so uh, I think, yes, we, we can learn from that by adopting a policy, working together and then then trend, you know, moving this policy uh, into school districts to help fix some of the issues as much as we can that are coming from the state. Can't fix it necessarily in Sacramento, but we can fix it at a local level. Uh, and so that's really what we're going to do is uh, I know that I, I know right now dozens of school districts are having conversations um, with their school boards and with their superintendents on seeing how can they pass a policy like Chino Valley just did um, or the exact same policy that Chino Valley just did. And I think we're going to see dozens of them over the next uh, month or two uh, take that up. Uh, the difference between this one and the mask resolution is it wasn't the same urgency, right? I think, you know, school districts were being bombarded every day on the mask issues. 
So we we saw special meetings happen right afterwards to pass the policy. This this isn't going to warrant any special meetings. It's going to go through the normal process. So it might be a month before school board um, has an opportunity to even meet on it. Might be six weeks before they have an opportunity to, to meet on it. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit slower going than the mask resolution of you know of fire, but uh, I think it will spread to dozens of school districts. Yeah. So like you said uh, before, how like with the mask issue, uh, it does kind of, it can spread from school district to school district. Do you think that this kind of pushback or stance by Chino Valley and Temecula will also spread to embolden other school districts to kind of put their foot down and say, nope, like this is the line, this is the line in the sand, we're not doing it and we're not pushing it. And second part well, of that, think, um, that depends. Go ahead. Uh, on one hand, right, uh, they try to scare them, they're trying to intimidate them. So you see that happening. Um, but but I think that by seeing other school districts pass it, uh, and then not being intimidated, that will help embolden other school districts. Now, at the same time, um, they're very scared in Sacramento about this. Uh, right away, we saw statements coming from, like I said, Alex Lee came out, uh, Scott Wiener came out, and uh, they basically are saying indirectly that we are going to fight this any way that we can. Well, that means they're going to they're going to pass a bill. They're going to try to get to get a bill passed to stop this. Um, I imagine when we get back from summer recess, there'll be a bill. They'll gut and amend some bill and add an emergency clause and try to get this passed. I don't think they're going to get two thirds vote, um, but they could get. 50% of vote. And then in that case, uh, they would make it law. They would, they, in that case, they won't do the urgency clause and they'll make it law January 1st uh, to kind of undo and basically make it illegal. Um, but that's not the end of the story. So we, we got more up our sleeve um, on that regard. Yeah. I love that parents are getting involved because it is their kids that are, are in the schools. Parents should be involved. And so I love that so many are stepping up and running for school board and getting elected. Uh, can you speak to that for a moment? Because I think there are a lot of parents that would love to get more involved and don't know how, and they are not necessarily going to run for school board, but maybe some will. Will you just kind of like let people know, parents know what they can do, what they're legally, like their rights of how they can really get involved in these fights and what they, you know, can, how they can make a change without actually running for or being on school board? Now, that's a great question because, uh, you know, you actually need those parents in a community to make a difference. As a school board member, there's only so much you can do, right? All of us have other jobs, right? We, we don't, this, isn't, this is mostly volunteer for, for almost every school board member except for LAUSD. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, right? So uh, you need help from those parents and involved parents. Uh, and and from, a, from the policy standpoint to the, the political standpoint, from knocking on doors uh, to helping raise awareness. Uh, and so if you're, you're interested, I would say get to know your school board first, right? Figure out which ones, just figure out where they are and stand and find out which ones you like and which ones you support. Um, they have their networks and you can get involved with those networks uh, to see how you can best support uh, those school board members and candidates uh, that you agree with. Um, you can also look for parent groups online. I mean, that was basically what Reopen California Schools did. It, it kind of started the statewide group but then encourage all these local school districts to form because that's where you have the local action and, and the biggest impact to communicate. So a lot of it was Facebook driven, but now there's all sorts of different social media groups uh, that you can use. So stay updated and you can search for those groups um, and, and look for just maybe even not traditional social media like next door, start connecting with other parents and having conversations about it. Start your own Facebook group, for, start your own group. I mean, for this issue, I mean, that's what a lot of parents did. And then if you build it, they will come. Um, and so that's what I recommend doing uh, is is that and obviously you can follow Students First California on the social media. You can follow our, follow our new initiative, which is Protect Kids California. It's a, a sponsored organization of Students First California, and that's uh, studentsfirstca.com. Um, and that way you kind of stay updated on our initiatives, but then it's a way that you can be part of uh, periodic Zoom meetings of things happening around the state, and you can kind of get involved locally with our Facebook groups. Thank you. So perfect segue. Uh, you had mentioned you had some plans and actions ready and you had mentioned uh, Protect Kids California. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I know this is an initiative that you have started. So, yeah. So Protect Kids California is actually a political uh, it's a primarily formed uh, act political action committee 
uh, to support measures to protect the kids. So it's a, it's sponsored by uh, Students First California, um, but uh, it's a separate, technically a separate entity for political fundraising and political action. And the goal of that is to make sure either through ACA or through, uh, you know, hopefully through an ACA, it'd be nice if we could get the legislature to do this, to get it onto the ballot. Um, but, but ultimately, if we can't do that, the goal would be to uh, take it to the voters. And so we collect the necessary signatures needed uh, to do these things, right? You see right here on the screen. Stop schools from keeping secrets from parents, protect girls' sports and spaces, and protect kids from sterilization and mutilation. I think, you know, these are, these are very common sense issues, and uh, they're actually favorable in California. And so, Phil, I don't know if you can go to the, the, the polling on this, but I, I can show you how favorable it is uh, for each of these, these issues. Uh, sure. Is it on this page? Ah, okay. uh, yeah, just go to the top left and go to polling. Yeah. Yeah, so we look at this first issue. So this is what passed in Chino Valley, essentially. You know, 68% of Californians, California voters support schools notifying parents of kids wanting to socially transition at school. And if you look at those numbers, 65% of Democrats do. Um, this would, you know, if this was in front of any kind of voter, this would pass in every single county in California. Mm -hmm. Um uh, it's has widespread support. Uh, this was part of a poll that Real Impact put together specifically over parental rights and parental issues uh, done, uh, I believe, early June. And what's interesting is they had other questions on here that kind of that were similar. There was there was one that asked if your kid uh, is bullied or is, is deteriorating, men, you know, their mental health is deteriorating. What do you want to be notified? It was like 93 percent. I mean, almost everybody says, yes, the school should notify the parent. Um, when you ask this seven percent, this is no. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. we're laughing, but what? Yeah, exactly. Well, I want to know who are these twenty-four percent here that oppose this? Um, right? It's it's basically it's the 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 radical progressive arm of the Democratic Party. It's twenty. It's it's not very many people. Um, I would argue there might be a few folks that are also saying, well, it's an administrative burden. I don't want to burden the school district on another rule, right? They just nationally are against regulations. But, um, you know, by and large, most of the people support this. I mean, it's two to one in support. Sorry, any... Scroll down a little bit. The next yep. issue on sports. Um, this was a national poll um, that was done in May. And uh, it was a, the data that we have here is adjusted uh, so that the, the, the demographics, uh, the, the percentages nationally are the same. So it's 48% Dem, 47% uh, are, are opposed. Republicans, 93% support this this policy, 6% oppose. But this is, you know, ultimately when you blend it for California, it's 64% of Californians agree that student athletes should only play on sports teams matching the biological sex. And so our initiative, um, that's essentially what we're going to do. We're going to repeal AB 12 or repeal that provision of AB 1266. There's another provision about gender identity and facilities on college athletics. And this is going to basically remove those aspects and just say, hey, in order to promote fairness in girls sports, if it's comp any competitive athletics that are for girls are for actual girls. Pretty simple. Based off biology. And then it has a, the component of uh, facilities as well to making sure that, you know, we, you know, that girls don't have to change in front of biological men in locker rooms. Uh, let's say there's one more. Or... Yep. One more. Yeah. So this, this is another important one. If, you, if you've been paying attention to what's happening in California, California has turned into a essentially a child trafficking, uh, trans trafficking state. Uh, and it's going to get worse if some of these other bills this year pass. And it's, it, it, what it does is it says, hey, other states have bans or laws and you can't get this, this uh, type, you know, surgeries and hormones for minors there. We'll come to California and you can get it. Well, that's one thing if your parents are taking you. But kids can actually run away from home and become wards of the state in California and then take get this, get this kind of, um, uh, quote, medical care. Um, so, right, this is happening in California already. People, parents are losing custody. They're told if you don't, if you don't uh, make, let your kid go on hormones and cut off their genitals, uh, they're going to kill themselves. And by the way, since you're going to let them kill themselves, we're going to basically remove custody. And, so, and, that, and that's happened. That's happened already in California especially when there's uh, divorce cases and, and parents are separated. And so this, this sort of basically would say, hey, to protect the reproductive health of children, uh, right, as they move into adults, 
we would make sure that things that have any kind of material possible, you know, likelihood that they would have an impact on their, their uh, sexual health and reproductive health, those things aren't allowed. So that would be things like uh, puberty blockers, uh, cross-sex hormones, uh, removing your genitals, uh, cutting off your breasts, right? Those basically things that would damage your ability uh, to, to live, live a healthy reproductive life uh, and care for children as an adult. Those things would be, you know, wait until you're older um, and age of consent of 18. And, and again, when you adjust for California, 75% of California voters agree with that. That's always incredible to me. Uh, it, when it comes down to it, Californians don't like voting for conservative politicians, but they vote and support conservative policies. Uh, we see it in like propositions. We see it on taxes. We saw it on affirmative action, which was voted down by a large majority. And this polling that you're showing us shows that most Californians actually agree with the conservative side of this. Um, and hopefully if you can get this on the ballot, do you feel pretty confident that most people would support this? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think you just point to that recent case with affirmative action. Uh, that was, it had a bad title and summary that, that made it seem like you wanted to, to vote yes on it, to re, to re, repeal the provisions in our constitution that says you can't make decisions based off race and discriminate based off race. Uh, yet that still failed. You know, 58% of voters knew that they didn't want racial discrimination in California. Uh, and so uh, the radical, the basically, the, 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 our legislature does not represent the, the regular California voter, right? We do skew more, more left, right, on a lot of policies. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're not, we're not California, average California voter isn't crazy. Um, it's the people in Sacramento that are crazy. And that's because of how they get into power. The most extreme candidates and, and the most extreme positions ultimately get elevated in California. And because they have a supermajority, there's no one there to check them. Now, they were successful, like we, we saw with SB 14 using the media and just how crazy of a policy that was. But it's completely out of touch with the average Californian. Um, I, th I think it was like 2% like of people uh, agreed with the position of the Democrats in power. You know, so it's, it's just absurd with, with the positions that they're taking. But it's because that's what the base wants, right? That's what their constituencies that help get them into power want. And as long as you're not hearing about it, you don't know about it. Right. You're being told, oh, scary Republican, bad. Don't vote for them. Um, you'll just continue to vote Democrat. So I think the having these issues on the ballot will also scare a lot of the Democrats because it's going to force them to take a position. And mm. many of them are not going to want to take a position in, in favor of mutilating children or thinking that that girls should be able to play against biological boys or that they should keep secrets from parents. They can do that kind of kind of quietly because the you know generally the media doesn't keep them in check or if there is no one's really paying attention they can prevent bills from going having hearings but they'll be forced to grapple with these issues because it's going to be on the ballot and representatives will be bringing them up and then that's really going to open up a lot of people's minds of just how crazy the representatives are um some of those extreme politicians like we've talked about tonight like alex lee and scott wiener uh both notorious Bay Area legislators, uh, both who don't have kids, mind you, but they are obsessed with writing legislation about your kids, even though they don't have kids. Um, it, it's always, I, I, I guess it's always hard for me to wrap my head around that the Democrats push this. We're losing you, Phil. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't hear you, Phil. Oh, sorry. Am I, am I breaking up? Am you're, I better? You're good now. Okay, sorry. Where did, where did you lose me? At the beginning. At the beginning. <laughs> right. Okay. Is no, that why just I didn't... what you just heard about Scott Wiener and Alex Lee. Oh, okay. I, I was talking about Scott Wiener and Alex Lee, uh, two legislators who don't have kids, um, which is interesting that they write legislation uh, targeting your kids and control over your kids, even though they don't have kids themselves, um, which is kind of weird in its own right. Uh, mm -hmm. But this polling... And the Democratic messaging, it, it's always so weird for me to wrap my head around. And I have friends who are Democrats who are all for, you know, trans rights and we should support this and support that. But I think if you got down to it and you were, you know, at, sitting down having coffee with them and they were parents and you said, looked them right in the face and said, do you want your kid going to school and teachers hiding this from you or for your child to go through this? A lot of I would 
I'd like to think that a lot of people who identify as Democrats who might publicly support this and say, I'm all for trans rights, when it comes down to their kids specifically, all of a sudden behind closed doors, they go, no, 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 I, I don't want it for my kid. But maybe it's fine because well, I just yeah, want a virtue I, signal. I, good question. And, and I would start with the premise, like, what rights do not trans individuals, what, what rights do trans individuals don't have? Yeah. That's what I want, right? That's they, they, question. Right? Literally. Uh, I'm always hearing about them losing their rights, and I'm like, what? What? What rights? Yeah, I don't understand what rights. They have the right, same rights as everybody else. I, I don't, I, there's no, there's, um, yeah, so you can't discriminate off housing. You can't discriminate off employment, you, you know. Uh, there's they get to vote. I don't understand what the the, the, the issues. There's not any kind of um, worrying. They don't have to worry about uh, violence. I mean, I, I, you know, Sonia Shaw, who put this forward, has to worry about violence. She's received death threats. I mean, people call the school threatening to dismember her family. Remember, you know, kill her and dismember her, kill her family, dismember them. I mean, it's absurd, right? And I'm sure people get, you know, you know, all sorts of people. I'm sure Scott Wiener gets death threats because he's just so vocal, and anybody who's out in the open is going to get them. Um, but the the but really, you have to ask questions: of what rights? And the, really, what this is about is it's taking the rights away from parents. Yeah. Um, these are important. Parents, you know, have wanted parent, and they they send their kids to school trusting that they're going to get a good education, and then they're not going to be. Uh, there's not going to be someone there trying to secretly transition their kid, which is a possibility in California, and is and is and that that action is protected under California. And the parent is not, um, and we've seen it in California. We see them telling, you know, do you want to send your kid to a school in their fifth grade, and the kindergarten teacher saying to your son, oh, you like long hair, maybe you're a girl, right? And then and then the and the boy says, oh, maybe I am, and then the the teacher doesn't say anything about it. I mean, that's not what you were expecting to happen. Um, and I'm not saying this is a widespread issue, but it is happening in some places um, and can happen. And there's people that are trying to push it uh, to happen more. And so that's the and that's really ultimately I think people are starting to see that um, this public opinion has shifted over since last year. It's shifted away from, uh, you know, wanting you know, trans, for example, transgender sports that shifted 10 points up, you know, where they wanted to protect girls sports. And I think the reason why is in theory, you're like, oh, yeah, they should. Because you're thinking that it's a rare issue. Um, you're thinking that it's actually a legitimate issue for most people. And then we're starting to see that a lot of this is a social contagion. It's actually being taught. And that maybe uh, we should put the brakes on this for a little bit and wait till people are older. And oh, by the way, we are seeing male athletes, male athletes who say that they're, they're women dominate girls' sports. And so now there's just a lot more examples that they're seeing. And so it used to be from this very obscure, like, I've never seen it. I don't know it. Of course, if they're saying they're transgender, they must have a, must be real, you know, serious about this, trying to uh, make it similar to, uh, you know, being, being gay or sexuality, which is completely separate from the transgender issue. Uh, and so uh, now people are kind of seeing that now they're, they're hearing about it and no way do they want them uh, doing it to that, to their kids at school, especially outside of their care. Do you think, if there's any shot of turning around California, do you think it stems from a parent, a parental revolution or a parental revolt going back to COVID and continuing up through this? Is that where you think it starts to stem from? I think so too. I think the pendulum has sung way too far um, and parents are activated and they're going to, uh, they're not going to stand for it. And so if we're able to get this on the ballot uh, and, and, and I think we can, uh, that's going to be the hard part, but once it's on the ballot, it will pass. Uh, it's just there's no way it, it won't um, the, the way that the polling is. And so, um, yes, I think that will be and it'll be a wake up call and hopefully can bring some normalcy back to the legislatures here in California to not be so crazy or else they're going to start losing seats or else nationally they'll start losing seats. Um, and, and basically, it'll just be an issue that we'll just keep running on year after year. Right. Don't don't put porn in schools. Pretty obvious. Why are you trying to defend porn in schools? Don't, you know, it's just, it's, it's just absurd what's happening in California. Um, and so there's, there's uh, so many issues that could be, be ran on um, and just to hold them accounting, kind of, kind of expose uh, how crazy some of the policies are and the politicians are in California. I keep calling for a mass exodus. I know that's extreme, but I just, <laughs> I'm like, just parents just, just don't send your kids back. And eventually they're going to have to listen. You're, you're right, except um, that just brings more state dollars than go to everybody else. And so 
until we have some sort of initiative uh, that can then transfer those dollars out of the system so that you can then send your kid to a school of your choice, then, you know, That's it's true. not going to hurt. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, the more people leave California, the harder it is to vote and get these things passed for that. Cause all the people who are paying attention um, and have kids are left. We saw that famous comment from Scott Wilk during one of the, the I think it was AB 957 hearing. He says, if you love, if you have kids and you love your family, leave. You know? Yeah. You I disagree. I like that. He stood up the comment that he yeah. made before that, you know, when he said, I've been at this 10, 12 years or however long he's been at it. And we were all about, you know, protect the children, protect the children. But at this point we need to protect the parents. And I so agree with that statement, but I didn't like the run and flee. I personally homeschool. I think I mentioned yeah. that like every episode I've always homeschooled, but I understand that that is not a possibility for everybody. And, and I'm more and more people are doing that. I, I mean, I can just from the enrollment numbers, Placer County was the only, uh, only County in California that actually saw kids uh, increase, the population increase. They're decreasing everywhere else mm. um, dramatically, like San Francisco dramatically. And, wow. and yeah, and even with that increase, we're not necessarily necessarily seeing an increase in the numbers at our, at our schools. So that means that there must be people doing homeschool charters or, or private school. They're doing some other means, but they're not, they're not attending the public schools because those are relatively flat, even though we've seen that population growth. I'd say too, um, Phil, uh, on just on the logistics, for those who are wondering how that initiative process works, um, kind of starting backwards, you know, to get it on a November 2024 ballot so we can vote on it, we have to go through the signature gathering process. And so we're, we're starting that now. Um, if we can't get a legislator to, to put these bills forward and, and do it do it for us, uh, we'll be submitting this, the language to the Secretary of State um, end of August probably. Uh, and we'll have about 65 days under a review period. We'll get title and summary. That puts us around early early November, end of October. And we'll have 180 days to gather 550,000 ballot signatures out of a population of almost 40 million. So um, that's what we're kind of getting the word out now. So if you're hearing this and you want to participate and help, go to protectkidsca.com. And there's a sign-up form uh, that you could be able to sign up. So you'll be notified of Zoom meetings. You'll be able to get links to our social media. Um, any fundraisers or if you just want to contribute, all of those links are right there um, on our website uh, today. Uh, we will be revamping that, but it'll be the same links um, and same information uh, in the future. So, so go there and sign up to, to learn more. Are you afraid that once you submit this to the Secretary of State, they're going to name it something like right-wing bigots want to kill trans kids, Proposition 27 yeah, or something? Yeah, they will. Oh, absolutely, they will. Uh, <laughs> I'm not and worried. And no. we just got dropped from every platform, Phil. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I, hypothetically, I'm speaking their language. Um, and I imagine the summary would be something like, if you hate trans kids and want them to die, sign yeah, this bill. It's, yeah, it's going to be like, um, vote, you know, end life-saving care for kids or something like that. They won't even yeah, mention trans. Yeah, it'll be something like that. So. Yeah, they'll, they'll do something like that. Um, you know discriminate against girl, you know, girl sports. They'll probably call it something like that. You know, we could sue to see on the, when it gets to the ballot, what's, what's, what gets circulated. I'm not too concerned with what's on the ballot matters more. And we'll have time to, to prepare uh, for that. Um, but again, because these issues are so um, e easily digestible, right? Don't, you know, don't keep secrets from parents about kids, uh, protect girls sports, um, you know, protect the, the reproductive health of, of kids. So they don't, mutilate themselves before they're 18. Very easy to understand. Uh, mm -hmm. they're, they're, it's gonna be much harder um, for it to fail, even on, even with a bad name. And I go back to the affirmative action uh, initiative, right? A yes vote meant that you repealed the protections and would have voted for affirmative action. Well, it came up with a very, uh, a very positive sounding name. I don't recall what it was, but they wanted you to vote for it. Um, you know, something for, you know, equal rights, protection, something, you're right. It, it was very positive sounding. Even with that, even with being outspent like 16 to one, the no side still won. Sanity prevailed, even with mm. all of those odds against them. And it was like 58% voted no to keep the protections in place. And so I would imagine we're going to see the same thing here. It might move the needle a little bit, but when we have, you know, 64%, 68%, 70%, 75% favorability, we, we could afford to lose 5%. Interesting. 
And do you, you think they'll probably be the big money interests like California Teachers Association? They'll all be behind a push against this or? You know, that's what we think. Um, you know, if it's on the ballot, we think they will. But but think about that conversation. Um, a lot of teachers, you know, don't support this. Right. Mm. But your regular teacher doesn't support this. And so uh, wait till they find out that their association is funding money to help keep secrets from parents. I mean, that might just be the straw that breaks the camel back to make all these teachers suddenly leave the CTA. I mean, that would be my hope if they see this happening, right? Um, taking that position, right? So, um, I, they, so they're going to have to be careful, right, to not not upset their members too much and get them to leave because they can leave now. Prior to 2018, they couldn't, but now they can leave. And it'd be kind of a weird thing. You have this bill that says let's make sure that parents are involved in the equation, and then you have a teachers' association spending money to keep secrets from parents. I, I just, it's not a good look. Um, yeah. for them. So I don't know. I think they will just because they're going to be called in, you know, favors will be called in from other groups that said, Hey, we'll support your issue. If you support our issue, we'll be outspent 16 to one. We'll still win. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's such a political hot potato that no one really wants to touch it, but somehow it just keeps getting forced on everybody. So it's just, yeah. it makes you wonder how a very small minority here in California and Sacramento has so much power to push something like this when it's not politically popular, it's not popular with the public, it's not popular with teachers. Um, so that is definitely interesting to see where it's coming from. Yep. Um, all right, we're coming up on the hour here. Uh, anything you want to add or f kind of finish off the episode? We talked a lot about Temecula, Chino Valley. We talked about the new initiative. Um, anything, you, any final thoughts on this? Now, I'll just say have hope. Um, I, I do think we're we're going to swing the opposite direction. And, and, you know, as you mentioned, parents can help take back the state. And so you can follow me on Twitter um, at Jay Zacherson, J-Z-A-C-H-R-E-S-O-N. Um, you can follow uh, Protect Kids California at Protect Kids CA. You can go to protectkidsca.com uh, and, and sign up. And, and if you are able to contribute to help the cause as well. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, thanks for coming on as always. Uh, always enjoy having you on. You're, you're a very knowledgeable guy, so I like listening to your input on this stuff. And you're also quite the the good uh, Twitter follow. So anybody out there who's a big Twitter, <laughs> it's or X, it's X now. It's not Twitter anymore. It's oh, X, X now. That's right, X, yes. <laughs> it's not Twitter anymore. So uh, he's a good Twitter slash X follow. Um, very knowledgeable, a lot of information coming at him. And he got sort of retweeted by Alex Lee. So that's a badge of honor. He did reply to me. <laughs> Alex Lee replied to me once, and I think he thought I was a constituent who supported him. And then he, I think he <laughs> saw my reply and was like, this guy's not seriously actually talking to me, so I'm not going to engage with him anymore. Uh, but That's yeah, funny. good Twitter follow. Definitely go follow him. Go check out uh, protectkidsca.com for this initiative. This is really important. Politically, I think this just has huge ramifications across the state. You know, make them put their money where their mouth is, really kind of pin them against the wall with this issue. I think you'll see a lot of uh, apple carts being overturned, a lot of political uh, allegiances being shifted. So uh, with that, um, as I end every episode, if you enjoy this episode, the best thing you can do to share and support this episode is share it with somebody X. What do they call it now? It's not tweeting. It's Xing it or something. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I'm always going to call it tweeting. <laughs> yeah. It'll be tweeting for me forever. It'll, it'll just be like old hat at this point. So you can tweet it. Breaking up with someone. <laughs> Xing just sounds too close to like something yeah, like naughty or something. Like you're gonna block them, like get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. Xing them out. Um, so, however, whatever social media platform it is that's changing, you can post it up there, share it, message it, text message, email, whatever. Threads. Uh, Don't. <laughs> threads. I'm not on threads. Not if you I want somebody to see it, but. Yeah. I mean, if you put it up on threads, it might just go off in the ether. It's like if a tree falls in the woods, does it actually happen? If you actually <laughs> post social media on threads, do does it actually happen? Um, so yeah, make sure you share with anybody. This is an important episode. Parents, definitely share this. Um, if you have kids in public school, this is a really great episode. And uh, like, share, subscribe, review, YouTube, Rumble, all of that stuff. Comment after the episode. It all helps with the algorithm. It helps us uh, get more followers and all that stuff and spread the word. So with that, we'll see you on the next one, everybody. Have a good night. Good night.
Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 